From WHIP News, I'm Amelia Winger, and this is Beyond the Lead, where we're going beyond the statistics surrounding COVID-19 to hear from the people most impacted in our community. It's hard not to feel the weight of people suffering as you talk to them, especially as you know that people aren't only at the danger of being sick, but are at the danger of losing their jobs, losing their housing, uh, not being able to graduate on time. This is Colin Evans, the news editor at the Temple News. A lot of that kind of gets washed up or uh, just not, not noticed because there's so much more suffering going on around us. As the news editor, Colin covers all of the major stories circling within the Temple community. He spent the past few months reporting on how the COVID-19 pandemic has manifested from a headline into reality. So let's go beyond that paper trail. Colin remembers that his first major article on the pandemic was published on February 28th, but he began following the story weeks earlier. And that's the day when we wrote about Temple University Japan moving their classes online. But I think that date is a little misleading. And the reason why I say that is because we were following this a little earlier, especially when it was an issue in China and kind of monitoring how the university was uh, responding, especially uh, since there's quite a bit of travel to and from China associated with the university. Um, and so I emailed the director of student health, Mark uh, Denise, and we he kind of gave me an update about it. And we didn't write an actual story based off of that. But I would say early February is kind of when I started on this beat. But as the story dropped, Temple stopped. February 28th, the day that the article was published, was the last full day of classes before main campus students began spring break. When classes resumed on Monday, March 9th, the pandemic had already taken root in Pennsylvania, and universities across the nation began shifting to virtual classes. Colin knew that this would be a waiting game. Honest to God, when we were back from break, I was just preparing for the university to move online. And I can tell you that was one of the longest weeks of my life just writing story after story, update after update. I probably wrote five or six stories just about other schools moving online. The week trudged on. By the afternoon of Wednesday, March 11th, the World Health Organization had officially classified COVID-19 as a pandemic, and Temple was the only state-related college to not make the transition to online classes. But that night, the announcement finally came. I mean, honestly, there wasn't much writing through my head except that I had to write these stories and that I had to be on top of all the breaking news that was happening. And really all the follow-ups that came from this didn't come until after that breaking news had, you know, come at 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night that we were going to be moving online. But I think after that initial moment and that shock, just all the ideas for follow-ups flooded to my head and we met together as a staff and kind of made a big list of things we wanted to accomplish and the next week or two we really were just churning out story after story, student reactions, um, 
you know, exploring niche follow-ups about how certain workers would be affected and all that. And it, it slowed down a bit, but really those first two weeks, I think every news outlet in America was reeling after the news that we would have to shut down so many parts of our life and just trying to follow up on how that would affect specific segments of our society. And then there were the days after. I was just talking to a lot of people who realized and maybe not realized to the full extent, but were coming to grips with the fact that their life would be upended. And that's draining in a way. And I didn't even really consider how my own life would be upended. I think when you're a reporter, you live, you feel, you feel like you live on kind of um, a different plane where you can view things objectively. And, uh, but it, every time you talk to someone who's suffering, you kind of take a piece of that suffering with you. Um, and I didn't, e- I didn't even consider how this would also affect me personally. Um, but it was, it was just very kind of fast paced and just trying to get as many stories out as possible. But it, it was also, it was overwhelming because this, this global pandemic affects every part of our life. So trying to prioritize and decide which follow-ups were the most important was also a process. How did you make those decisions? Honestly, the way the reporters make a lot of decisions, which is accessibility and importance and balancing those two, a lot of it came down to, is my source going to pick up the phone today? Are they able to respond to my emails? And it, that was an especially hard discernment process, um, you know, while everyone else's life is upended. Um, I, you know, you don't have the same expectation that people will be able to respond in time to you. And so it kind of just, I mean, I, the analogy I use for news stories in general is that you're trying to plant an orchard of trees and just hope that the right amount of trees come up when you, you have deadlines you need to meet. And, you know, right after this news broke, I just tried to plant as many seeds as I could across this great future orchard and hope that trees would come up every now and then that we could publish a story that would inform people of what they needed to know. This wasn't the first time that Collins worked with such vulnerable subjects. As news reporters, we're often meeting people at some of the lowest points of their lives. And this is no different, but it's it puts a fresh perspective to see as a Temple student, as a college student. And I can say I've been you know more fortunate than most to be in a situation where my life wasn't drastically altered. But you are going through some of the same things and having to make some of the same decisions and uh, face the same consequences as your fellow students, especially as you're talking to them. So there, there's a shared sense of empathy there, especially being a student reporter. And But there's also, they, I mean, it, it's hard not to feel um, just kind of the weight of people suffering as you talk to them, uh, especially as you know that people, uh, you know, aren't only at the danger of being sick, but are at the danger of losing their jobs, losing their housing, uh, not being able to graduate on time. Um, And 
a, a lot of that kind of gets washed up or uh, just not not noticed because there's so much more suffering going on around us. But that doesn't mean it wasn't an adjustment. The workflow has been incredibly difficult to adapt to. I think any journalist will tell you that. And it's gotten even harder and harder as time has gone on. I think it's really hard to report virtually, which is weird to say because a lot of times we spend our days kind of bunkered down in our newsrooms making phone calls. But a lot of reporting, especially as a student journalist, is done in person. And those little moments when you are out at a press conference or on assignment or at, at the scene of you know something happening live, they, they kind of give you more energy um, and you take those for granted. But I, I just, I think it was last week, I went to a physical press conference at the Leah Chorus Center to talk about where they were going to talk about how that center might be used in the case of a surge and COVID cases that overwhelmed local hospitals. And it was the first physical news event I've reported on since you know, three, four weeks prior, maybe. And just being there was so refreshing. And I'm not advising that we should be reporting out in the open now. I understand there are social distancing guidelines, and I think reporters should do their best to follow those to slow the spread of the virus. But I have to say that just being there, being next to all the TV crews and seeing the other reporters there and being able to physically ask a question, it it kind of it gave me energy that day, and I was excited to go home and write the story. Uh, and it, it's you know it's been difficult to try and work in this virtual environment. I think any student can relate to that. It's been difficult in my classes as well. But these challenges haven't stopped him from providing the most comprehensive resources possible for the Temple community. I'm just proud of all the breaking news that we did on that Wednesday, and I'm proud that of the breaking news story we did to announce that classes had moved online that had all the information, all the links to everything that we had previously reported. Um, I think, I mean, I, I spent all of that Wednesday in the newsroom just writing story after story. Um, I think, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just looking now. We had like six or seven go up. Uh, just constantly updating what was going on. Uh, and I'm really proud of the breaking news reporting that we've done throughout this entire time. Um, but uh, in terms of like follow-up stories, um, one, one little anecdote I have is we I wrote a quick story on what would happen to security guards at Temple when classes moved online. And I don't know if all this information still holds true, but at the time, the, the information that I reported on, I, you know, I heard anecdotally that a security guard actually read that story and she heard it first from the Temple News, you know, what the likely fate of her job during that time would be. And that, that, that's the type of anecdote that really shows how much of a public service journalism is, um, not only to inform a wider audience of what's going on, but to help people in specific situations understand uh, what most likely will, how, how they'll be affected by a crisis like this. 
Um, and so it, it was great to hear that response. The only thing certain right now is that no one can map what the coming months will look like. As he navigates this uncertainty, Colin wants to bolster his department's coverage of how the pandemic is affecting the North Philadelphia community. I think the Temple News specifically and my news team, we need to bolster our community coverage. And I'm working right now on a story about resources for seniors in the area. Uh, we know we have a lot of older folk who live around Temple who are important to the community and may not have the same access to the resources that they need at this time. So we want to report on some of on how some of those resources have shifted or are being replaced during this time and where seniors can continue to get the care uh, that they were receiving before all this happened, uh, you know, now in a, the safest way possible. So community reporting like that is something I really want to improve on. I also want to take a broader look at how Temple itself is being affected by this. We know that universities as a whole are dealing with the adverse financial impacts of the, you know, the cost of refunds and um, just everything that they have to cover during a crisis like this and seeing how that affects different areas of the university. We reported maybe one or two weeks ago that the university has asked all departments to uh, for next fiscal year to draw up a plan for a potential 5% budget cut. Um, seeing where that goes and what money is proposed to be cut and how much is actually cut is going to be something interesting to follow up on. That's a hard story to do in the middle of a crisis, but down the line as we kind of get out of this constant <laughs> negative news and um, you know, at, at, once we get out of this initial period, it will be something to look into, kind of the long-term financial impact on the university um, in the hospital that this crisis is having. From WHIP News, I'm Amelia Winger, and thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Lead.